Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, podcasting from the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center in Chicagoland, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders navigate and lead through the cultural issues of our day. My name is Daniel Yang, the director of the Senate Institute, and we're excited to have with us today Ann Voskamp. The The Ann Voskamp. Ann is a farmer's (laughs) wife, a homeschooling mom of seven, and the author of multiple New York Times bestsellers, including her book, 1,000 Gifts, A Dare to Live Fully Right Where You Are. And she recently re-released it as the special 10th anniversary edition. Uh, Ann's been named by Christianity Today as one of the leading 50 Women Most Shaping Culture and the Church Today, and she partners with Compassion International as a global advocate for children, and is also one of the featured speakers at Amplify Outreach Conference mm-hmm. coming October 19th and 20th. Amplify Outreach is designed for pastors and Christians who are passionate about entering the real mm-hmm. issues of our day in order to help people discover authentic faith in Christ. Be sure to check out uh, AmplifyOutreach.com to learn more about the conference. But before we hear from Ann, let's go to our host, editor and Chief of Outreach Magazine and the Executive Director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, Ed Stetzer. Yes, you forgot the. Mm. Did, did you? What else about Ann Voskamp should you mention? That she's a student at, at the Wheaton, Wheaton Gray. College Graduate School. <laughs> there you go. That's there you right. go. We love to put that in there as well. We're excited to talk to Ann. Ann said, "Good to speaking at the Amplify Outreach Conference, and we're going to be bringing some ideas around the idea, around the focus of." Hospitality. So we're excited to have mm-hmm. you on to talk with us mm-hmm. here, Anne. And let's uh, let's kind of jump into our conversation. Um, mm-hmm. First, welcome, and then tell us about mm-hmm. hospitality. What's biblical hospitality, and how is it different than simply entertaining people? So good. Thank you for having me, Daniel and Ed. Um, I guess really at the crux of everything, I believe that we are called as believers to live a life of cruciformity. And cruciformity, living hands and life completely outstretched, shaped and formed like a cross, really is a symbol of hospitality. I really believe that our actual theology is best expressed in our actual hospitality. What does it mean to live shaped like a cross? And um, the shape of Christianity is hospitality, how you live with your hands and doors and heart and life completely wide open. But hospitality, really, honestly, believe it has too long wrongly been defined. And we really need sort of a revolutionary um, concept around the, the word as a whole. It's <laughs> hospitality is not about becoming like Julia Child. <laughs> hospitality is about welcoming in the marginalized as the next child of God. It's hospitality isn't about beautiful place settings. It's about setting a place for the marginalized to see the beauty of Christ at your table. It's not about napkins and etiquette as much as Pinterest might try to convince you of that. It's really about the renewal of all things, about those who feel wrong to feel like they belong right here with the people of God. Um, It's not about entertainment, I think is the crux of it. It's about making a gospel statement. Who gets to hear the good news that they are seen, that they are welcomed, that they are loved, that they are invited to the table? Um, I think, you know, too much of our thinking is that hospitality is about a dinner invitation. And really, hospitality is about a daily posture. It's not about having another friend over for dinner. Hospitality is about having a welcoming mentality towards someone you see as the other, the stranger. Um, Biblical hospitality, too often we think it's, you know, having another barbecue or a book club or another Bible study. But that really is just having another barbecue and another book club and another Bible study. 
biblical that, that that's common hospitality but biblical hospitality is about welcoming and loving the stranger the other first peter 4 9 says be hospitable to one another without complaint and that word for hospitable in scripture is from the word the greek word phileo which meaning love and xenos which means stranger so biblical hospitality is not common hospitality but this strange intentionality of stranger love that mm. biblical hospitality of stranger love loving the stranger it in, in and of itself is a strange love it's the uncommon strange love that god himself indwells our hearts and gives us a love for people who are unlike us and honestly ed i just really believe in in these strange and stranger days these days of isolation and polarization what this world is direly in need of is a biblical hospitality of stranger love. Hmm. Yeah, man, that, that's such a powerful idea, uh, welcoming in, in the marginalized strangers so that they might become mm -hmm. a child of God. And mm -hmm. one of the famous stories in Scripture that involves hospitality uh, is the story of Mary Martha, found in Luke 10. Mm -hmm. What's really interesting about that is, you know, Jesus is the one receiving the hospitality. Uh, it says that Martha opened her home to him. And help us to think through, I mean, as, as we reflect on that account in Luke 10, like what are some of the elements of hospitality we can learn from there? And then and what, what's Jesus trying to teach us about hospitality there? What one thing is needful, and that is actually to spend time in the presence of God himself. <laughs> um, th that's what he's actually saying, that what is the one thing that is needful, spending time with him. And when we look back through, when we look back through all the Old Testament, every sacrifice to God, it's, it's a sacrifice not of material things, not of wooden things or handmade things, but the sacrifice was always that which was actually food from Cain and Abel straight through the Levites making sacrifices in the temple. The sacrifices given to God, the meat offerings, the bird offerings, every single sacrifice is an offering of that which is ultimately food. Why? Because every sacrifice to God is about eating with God. Is about hospitality with God. Every single sacrifice is about communion with God, encountering God. So ultimately, our sacrificial hospitality is showing hospitality to God Himself. So when we have hospitality in our homes and we welcome people in, and it's more than just welcoming people in, it's about having a mentality of welcome. What we're really doing is showing hospitality to God Himself. It's we're back to there at Emmaus, in the breaking of the bread, we see that the person across the table from us is Christ Himself. So, I think sometimes we think about um, I think about well, there's a cost to hospitality, and we think about it in a larger scale, whether it looks like welcoming refugees, whether it looks like welcoming immigrants, like that. That's going to cost me something. Can we see that in that hospitality, in whatever it costs us in terms of sacrifice, we are actually it's actually an invitation to move closer to Christ himself, who plays in, as Eugene says, 10,000 places. Hmm. Entertaining angels unaware comes to mind. Exactly. We're, you know, exactly. you did unto me. So there's yes. a reminder in the midst of all of those things, but that's not what it looks like for most of us in our church experience. Of course, COVID's upended a lot of things, but yes. you know, church, church in the West is you go to church, maybe you go to small group, maybe you go to worship, maybe you, you give or you serve, but there's something more, I mean, that 
doesn't mm. seem to align with what you're talking about. I mean, it's mm. there's a consumerism that we get something from all of those things. They meet our needs. The small groups are, you know, focused on us having friends. But there's a welcoming of the stranger. There's a Christian version of hospitality that is a mission-driven version of hospitality that's not as evident in church in the West. So how, I guess, how does that fit into this version of the Christian life, or does it? And how how do we need to change if it needs to? I would pray that it would fit into this, the way we go ahead and live out our faith, because this is what we see as biblical hospitality. And I think exactly what you're saying, Ed, oftentimes our lives look like we go to work, and how does God actually integrate into that? We go to church, and how does we kind of compartmentalize God, but what does it look like to live cruciform, a life of cruciformity, which is a life of hospitality? And I, I think, you know, it's in the divine commodity that Sky um, Tatani, he writes that the English word hospitality originates from the same Latin root as the word hospital. A hospital is literally a home for strangers, mm. end quote. So that means if we're people of biblical hospitality, then we're people about stranger love and our our homes are supposed to be homes for strangers. So what does, I think when we look at our life of I go to work five days a week on the weekends, I have my Saturday to enjoy my own friends and then Saturday or Sunday I show up for church. Um, what does it actually look like? Like where does stranger love come into my my rhythms, my cadence of life. Well, how does my home look like it's hope open to strangers, people who think differently than me, people who are quote unquote the other, who have an, who, another kind of culture, another kind of sexuality, another kind of religion. That's what we are being called to, which looks very different than, than having just like-minded people come into right. our homes. Um, what does it look like as, if we are the people of God, how do our homes look like? Homes of hospitality, homes that are homes, hospitals for strangers. That ultimately means that there should be places of healing. How is healing happening in our lives? Wherever there is welcome, the hurting come and find healing and wellness. When our homes are about welcome, our homes have to become places of healing, not only for a broken world, but ultimately it's healing our own broken hearts as we live lives of hospitality. So it's not like everyone else becomes a project for us to reach out to, but in that, as we're reaching out with stranger love, having a true genuine love for that other person, God is healing things in us too. And I think it starts to heal and mend an incredibly polarized and fractured and fragmented society and culture, Ed. You know, and the, the the pandemic has really yes. changed so much about uh, how churches embrace people, new people. Uh, what what do you think? How has it impacted the way that we practice hospitality? And are you seeing places where churches are doing it well, and where churches can improve? I think it's a, living in. It's, I want to say post COVID times, but are even there yet, Daniel? I think mm -hmm. maybe we're still mid COVID times. This Absolutely. has become. I spoke to someone yesterday and just said, like, the, the entire landscape has changed in terms of how do we how do we welcome people into our homes? Um, what does that even look like in terms of COVID? How do I love the stranger when it's complicated right now? We are all even wearing masks. We all look like the other. It's hard to even read each other's body language. I mean, this is these are very complicated times. 
But I think, as I said earlier, in strange days, we need to be even more catalyzed to live out stranger love. So what does that look like for us personally? Um, uh, we are working right now in our own church to create um, uh, what the community has called, an, it's a working with the Salvation Army, the United Way, um, the Reformed Church, all coming together to create um, a warming center, which we're calling Hopelinks, to reach out to the vulnerable in our community during this winter. So that includes like having showering facilities, having um, laundry facilities, and then staffing so that we can go ahead and offer a meal and sit down and eat with those who are vulnerable four days a week for four hours each evening. So I think, how do we look at those, especially in the times of COVID, there are so many people who are hurting, who were vulnerably housed before, who now find themselves really on the edge how church needs to think about, okay, maybe our spaces can't be used for Sunday services or gathering the way that they were prior. Is, there, is this now God calling us to think about how do we open our doors to the people that we normally didn't open our doors to, but open our doors to those who are marginalized and vulnerable and become, church actually become literally a place of hospitality? Yeah, fascinating. I love that. Um, for those who don't know, Anne lives in Canada, which is also, might mm -hmm. I add, where my daughter lives. So I just wanted to work yes. that in because recently <laughs> uh, returned to her homeland. Uh, my daughters mm -hmm. are all Canadian citizens. Um, but the the refugee conversation is always something yes. that comes up. And it, it's a very different conversation. Even you're talking about masks and churches meeting. Yes. It's just different in different places, right? In, yes. in Texas, you were recently in Texas. Yes. You know, they're totally just all, they nothing going on. <laughs> they, they, they're, they're skipping the pandemic, unlike the rest of us in Chicago. <laughs> Um, but, um, but, but one of the things that you, you recently, you're going to share some of the things related to this at mm -hmm. Amplify again, people can go to amplifyoutreach.com to learn more, but mm -hmm. you gave a talk and have shared about refugees mm -hmm. and I want you to reflect a little bit on what the churches and the Christians role and responsibility is here, knowing that. Um, you know, Canada is much more open to receiving refugees, and we've got the Afghan crisis now and more mm -hmm. than the U.S., though the U.S. actually seems a little different in this case. And yes. uh, hope, hope, hopefully we'll we'll see that we'll become that kind of uh, welcoming place. But regardless, yes. our, our governments will make certain decisions about how many refugees come in, but then we may have to make a decision about how we respond to that. So what does that look like for the Christian exercising hospitality in the midst of a refugee crisis? Um, personally, Ed, for our family, nothing in our lives has been more fulfilling, welcoming refugees. Personally, I was in um, Iraq um, three weeks after the 21 um, Egyptians were um, martyred in Libya by ISIS and then um, ended up going to Iraq, sitting in um, shipping containers with um, Yazidi women whose husbands and sons had been slaughtered in front of their eyes by wow. ISIS. They had to decide which of their children they could grab in their two arms and run and didn't know where other children were. And, and just looking into the eyes of these women and weeping with them, um, that in itself can be a kind of hospitality, shared tears is multiplied healing. But um, just realizing like, if I had been born somewhere else, this their story could be my story. And that we are all Esther's in so much of our lives, places of privilege for such a time as this, not for our own personal comfort, but to risk everything for those outside the gate, because we could be the people outside the gate. So for um, our family, that meant um, uh, 2016, we sponsored a uh, 
a family of five to come from Aleppo, Syria, and took care of all of their housing and clothing and food and getting them into schools and getting jobs and their license to drive and a vehicle um, and, and just really supported them for a full year until they were completely integrated into Canadian culture. Um, um, kids doing, girls doing so well at school telling me that they were beating all the boys in chess and top of their math class. <laughs> and so then we, we turned around and um, we brought another uh, family from Africa. Um, they had been in a refugee camp in Namibia for 12 years. And uh, we brought them and their two little boys over and again, um, supported them for a year with housing and, and getting children into school and job training. Um, but honestly, Ed, what Ed, really you see in scripture, and the word for sacrifice in Hebrew is korban. And it, it actually, it doesn't mean to, to lose something. It actually means to draw closer, to come nearer. So in any way that we sacrificed in hospitality um, towards refugees coming in and supporting them, that sacrifice actually was an invitation for us to draw nearer to the heart of God, an invitation to sit with them. Actually, uh, the family from Syria uh, their extended family that was still left in Syria kept asking them, who is helping you? How, how are you okay? And they were given the opportunity to say, we're okay because the, there are these Christians in Canada who are taking care of us. And, and beginning to tell that narrative, that story, that there are people who, who are wanting to be the hands and feet of Jesus, that starts um, have a ripple effect to change a global narrative. So if we if we want to be people as evangelicals who are sent with the good news to, to go and spread the, the message of Jesus, God has given us a, an unbelievable opportunity. People that we might not ever be able to share the gospel with are being brought to our shores. The church has always been called to be a place of refuge. It was for each of us. We have found refuge in the arms of Christ. How can we not now be a safe place of refuge for those who are fleeing? And then it is such an, an opportunity for us to truly share the hope of Christ. So there was nothing like sitting in church on a Sunday morning and looking over and seeing our family from Aleppo, Syria, sitting there in church and standing up in broken English to say thank you so much wow. for choosing to help our family. Wow. You know, I am. Um, my parents were refugees from Laos, and they became followers wow. of Jesus because of a, a Lutheran <laughs> church that sponsored them. So I completely resonate with what you're saying. And wow, Daniel! Yeah, it's a it's amazing. So I, <laughs> I really appreciate what you all are doing, and we probably have some listeners who are are thinking about being sponsors for Afghan families that are yes. impending soon and um but they might be nervous and uh, mm -hmm. and I love that you shared that it impacted your family and your church can you can you unpack that a little bit and help uh, oh. our listeners to understand like how it's transformed i know it's not about like you as the you know the, the sponsor no, but no but it's not we want to decenter ourselves out of the right, story. we're right. not the center of the story but just in terms of um as Ed said, I'm, we're from Canada. I'm a farmer's wife. We live in a really rural part of the world that's very um, culturally homogeneous. Um, so, to, so we brought our, our um, family from Syria out to this little <laughs> rural country town. They said, how many other um, folks who are Muslim are there? And at that point in time, we said, there's only one other man <laughs> who is now a believer um, from Egypt. So we were actually expanding our entire world. <laughs> um, mm. And it, we um, ended up when we brought our 
our family from Africa. They became very good friends with our Syrian family. And then we also adopted um, a little girl from China all within a period of two years. <laughs> that all wow. happened. So when we had our family gatherings at Thanksgiving, here we are in a rural community in Canada where everybody is either Dutch, Caucasian, or Mennonite. And yet at our Thanksgiving table, we had a Syrian family, a little girl from China, and an African family who were all, everyone brought their different dishes and meals and all sitting down at the table together. It felt like a glimpse of heaven to us. And I just, I, I, it really, our family would say there has been nothing that we have ever done that has been more meaningful or more fulfilling than reaching out to these two families. For my 40th birthday, my husband said, you know, let's just have your closest friends over. Who would you like to have? And I chose the two refugee families because they truly are our family. So it has, um, yeah, I, I, if you have an opportunity to sponsor a refugee family, you are stepping into the most life transforming, which will ultimately be the most fulfilling experience you have ever had. Now, I will say it can be challenging and hard. It is not easy, but it will be worth it and it will be meaningful. Love it. Love it. The, um, you know, the, the, the idea that we would engage the stranger in this way oh. um, is, is not, is, like I said, it's not without controversy. And yes, um, yes. And yet, you know, yet at the same time, it's, I think it's a controversy worth pushing through. Um, and well, I just again, wonder, yeah, actually, uh, Ed, you know, for, for, for our family, it was me coming home from Iraq and starting to talk about these Yazidi women who, who needed help. And yeah. what did it, what did it look like to, to welcome in refugees? And I got serious pushback where people said, you know, would you have those people at your table? Would you have them under your roof? And we needed to say, yes, th this isn't something, a cerebral conversation. We need to incarnate the ways of Christ and embody this and actually say, yes, we will have you come to our table and become friends with people and learn with people. And I think, you know, for people who are concerned about the safety and security issues, to actually really do the research, take the time to get educated, to see what it takes for a refugee to actually come into North American Western culture. And all there's like 18 different levels they need to pass through before they come into Western culture. So to truly actually do the research before we, we live into our fears, take the time to get some real answers to those fears. Okay, wholeheartedly. And of course, we work a lot with uh, World World Vision. Yes. Uh, with with, uh, with World, 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 Relief. World Relief. Yes. World Relief. And World Relief's been our yes. real partner here, you know, yes. the western suburbs of Chicago. As you know, you were here. I mean, you know, this whole yes. region has got a long history and a long safe history. And I think that's key. Yes. But but what is I was going to ask about the culture war issues is I do wonder if to some degree uh, this helps move people from these vast notions that I think these people are like this and ultimately, you know, maybe lead people, does hospitality, I guess, lead people through some of the social, moral, political issues and help us to relate to people. And is that an ultimately a missional call and a missional opportunity for us? One word. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because ultimately, ultimately all of those cultural issues and um, those fear issues, the controversial issues are going to be solved when we have proximity. And proximity happens through hospitality. So the thing that you're afraid of, why don't you step closer to, into it and start to actually engage it? Not through some medium of news or a screen and someone else mediating that for you, but for you actually to choose, I'm going to step out and live cruciform. And that means that cruciformity requires vulnerability, 
But in that vulnerability, you are going to find intimacy with someone who is the other, who actually isn't the other. They're really, like it says in Isaiah 58, be available to your own families. Those people that you think are the other are actually your own families. That's what God is calling us to. You know, and I, I, uh, you know, I have mutual friends, Matt Sorens, who is a oh, church mobilizer yes. for World Relief, and yes. um, I know that you were with them recently, and he was sharing how impactful your your talk was with and, their group, and, but then also those. And Matt's they... was for me personally. He just yeah, ministered to me so yeah. deeply. Yes. Did I, I mention Matt was a Wheaton College grad? Matt was a Wheaton College grad. <laughs> right. right. I, I didn't. I didn't teach here as well. I I didn't know either of those things, but of course, there obviously. You go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Uh, and I, I'm. I think it would be really helpful for our listeners to to think through, like, what are the practical steps that if they were to engage and become a hospitable church, and and maybe they're the pastor that isn't quite yet certain how the church members are going to respond. Like, yeah. what are some of the practical things that you would advise pastors and church leaders to even broach the conversation, and then to take those practical steps of making the decision to to engage and at, to, at to be levels, sponsors? Not just like the refugee part, but That's at right. all levels, just okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, this is such a good question, Daniel. Um, I think, um, well, as co-founder of We Welcome Refugees, if you go to wewelcomerefugees.com, there are all kinds of resources there. Um, uh, Welcome Women has a whole course that can go ahead and take you through what does it look like to become people of hospitality. World, um, World Relief, I really can't more highly recommend them enough. If you go to World Relief, they are going to get tools into your hand in your community of how your church, your people can come alongside, or at least in times past, it has been that there were so few refugees actually coming into the United States of America. What does it look like to even um, step forward and say, we the people would really like to receive. So whether that looks like lobbying or advocating in different ways. Um, so I would really recommend those three organizations, World Relief, um, We Welcome Refugees and um, Welcome Women. Uh, they're uh, Welcome Women and um, well, World Relief and We Welcome Refugees. They're also sponsoring trips for you to go down to the, the border between the United States and Mexico and actually experience what that looks like to, to actually have proximity those, to these issues and see that the, the issues are mothers and fathers who are doing what all of us are trying to do, find the very best life for our family. So I think we as we are, we did nothing to be born where we are born. That is a means of grace. How can we then not take the grace that we have been given and live cruciform and pass that grace on? And uh, as they say, don't build higher fences, but actually build longer tables and lay out more plates. Oh. Yeah, I could I could listen to Ann all day. Um, so we're super excited about having you um, at oh. the Amplify Outreach Conference. And I know crossing the border is not an easy. Having just crossed the border, <laughs> I know it's not always an easy task. And your stories no. are, are more uh, exciting than mine. Getting across the border, walking oh. across the, uh, the, yes. the the peace bridge there, and you in do Buffalo. what it takes, Ed. You, you do, do what it, it takes. Canadians <laughs> get it done. That's what I tell my kids. Um, so, but we're super excited because the people who attend, the pastors, oh, church yes. leaders, even evangelists. Um, they get into the messy issues of reaching people yes. in our world, and it is messy. If you're going to reach people, if you're going to be hospitable to uh, refugees, to to people with whom you disagree, people of other religions, people who have different views of sexuality, different views, yes. different political yes. ideas, and more. Yes. Um, how can we better support one another as people are going to go on this journey of hospitality, knowing that not everyone's going to take their journey with us? Are there ways to support one and encourage one another? I think honestly, 
that looks like a listening tour. We need to be hospitable in our own, um, how we listen to each other, how we lean in, how we make space for each other, how we don't draw conclusions for where people are at, at the, in the journey. So I think hospitality is something that we embody in our churches, in our homes, but it's also how we actually engage each other, that I am going to be hospitable to your perspective and point of view. I'm going to listen. I'm going to give you feedback. We're going to create space for you and I to both dialogue and hear each other well. So I think you're right, Ed, it is a journey. How well do we listen to each other and really hear each other's concerns and not have just strawmen and characters of each other, but actually hear what the concerns are. And then we are the people who do not have um, a scarcity mentality, but we know that we live in the kingdom of God with an abundance mentality. And when we have been given so abundantly, there are going to be means and ways that we can creatively figure out how to live given, how to live in a posture of cruciformity, that posture of hospitality. So I think it is a journey together that involves coming to a conference like Amplify, leaning in, listening, coming with our concerns, and having honest, true, authentic dialogues, and coming up with cruciform, gospel-saturated, gospel-driven solutions. And uh, I know our listeners are listening to this, and it's encouraging them to want to engage. Earlier, you mentioned a couple of websites and organizations. Can you go through them again? We'll make sure that they're in the show notes. But as pastors are thinking about their next step, where where can they go again? Yeah, if you go, if anything that Matt and Soren Matt Soren does, um, World Relief just World Relief really is your entry point. Um, we welcome refugees. Has all kinds of resources and some courses to take you through. And um, Welcome Women has all kinds of. If you really want to be a woman of welcome, what does that look like in your home? And what does that look like in your church? They have actually complete Bible studies with free video series and a booklet that goes along with that to really try to get some resources into your hands to say, I want to become a person of hospitality. What does that actually actually look like into my, my community? I'd like to take steps and do that in community with other people because they're going to move out of COVID. And really, if there has ever been a time, these strange days that we need a stranger love, it is now. Amazing. Thanks, Anne, for she being with us. Today. All that at Wheaton College, but maybe, maybe a I little did. Some, some I did. Of, actually, I, I think I think most of it I learned in Ed's classes. Actually. Oh wow! wow. <laughs> I feel you're lying, but I received a lot. I received a lot. <laughs> Thanks again, Anne. You've been listening oh. to Anne Voskamp, author of the New York Times bestseller One Thousand Gifts: A Dare to Live Fully Right Where You're At. You can learn more about Anne at her website, Anne Voskamp. Dot com. Uh, thanks again for listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast. You can find more interviews as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com. And don't forget to check out the Amplify Outreach Conference, which Ann will be one of our featured guest speakers at AmplifyOutreach.com. And if you found our conversation helpful today, we'd love for you to take a few moments, go to iTunes and leave us a review. That's going to help other leaders find us more easily. And you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based mm-hmm. podcasts on the Faith Play app available for both Apple and Android. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.